coming up on 10 minutes here, guys. I'm almost done. All right. Quit yelling at me, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Says the person who requested we time the segments. by that for a dollar a podcast about inexpensive common and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered i'm your host sean hartman part-time promoter of memorable song bags memorable song bags yeah what you ever looked at the back of the record that you're talking about today no should i look at the back you should pick up the jacket and look at the back oh it's (laughs) i can see you've done your research jeremy yeah daddy west brings you a memorable song bag it takes up about one quarter of the back of this record (laughs) one might argue that it is hard to miss (laughs) yeah i feel like i mean i've definitely looked at the back of this record i can confirm this but i've never like (laughs) mentally processed that it says those words for some reason well now you have I was like, I spent 45 minutes trying to think of a title and I was just like looking at the record and the song titles and then I saw the back and I was like, what the fuck is a memorable song bag? <laughs> We're about to find out. Oh, we, we are. find out. Well, I'm co-host Jeremy, who did not do enough research for this record because I was, you know, down at the juke joint uh, playing my slide guitar and... When I'm there, they call me Specky East. (laughs) Do they now? They do. Well, I don't want to get mixed up with someone like you, Specky East. But I'm co-host Peter, and you don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me either. I'm a loner daddy, a rebel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was well done, Peter. Beautiful. Love it. Did not make that connection ever either in my whole life. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, I brought Dottie West this week, boys. Sean calls me up on my touch-tone phone, and he says, Jer, we need some more country in the podcast. And I said, "I'm, I'm onto it, sir. That's what I says to him. And I brought Dottie West, the sound of country music. The sound. The sound. And I will start us off with Together Again, which is originally written and performed by Buck Owens. Wonderful. And this is going back to 1967? Oh, yeah. 1967 on RCA Camden, the highest grade of record label. That's sarcasm. (laughs) And I'm guessing we'll talk more about that. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll touch on that. Wonderful. Well, let's well, get into some Dottie West. Yeah. Side A track two, Together Again. Together again. All my tears have stopped falling. 
together again All the gray skies are gone And you're back in my arms Right where you belong The love that we So this is what country music sounds like. Is this the definitive country sound? Does it get more country than than this record? I mean, in its era, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's claiming to be the sound of country music. So I feel like if that claim is true, it just doesn't get more country than this. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. I would say that this has all the trappings of traditional country music. Although, you know, I guess once again, this is 1967, so are we getting some of that Nashville sound influence? You're getting some of the influence, but the production on this, as you may have noticed, is not as... Lush? Yeah, it's not as lush. It's not as filled in as more Nashville sound kind of records, which is why i like this one this is dotty west country singer extraordinaire though i feel like kind of forgotten these days yeah she was huge in her day yeah i mean right up there with patsy klein loretta lynn Holly parton loretta lynn yeah yeah but those other names i feel like have kind of carried on and dotty west has kind of fallen by the wayside for whatever reason yeah and i I mean, Patsy Klein clearly passed away long before Dottie West did, so it's not that. Yeah, no. Yeah, so it's not really the Nashville sound per se, but the entire backing band is all Nashville A-team, top-of-their-class country musicians. So it is very much traditional country, not... How do I, I don't even know how to say it. I like it that it's stripped down Mm -hmm. country and straight ahead, amazing players. And I think that was a result of this being an RCA Camden record, which they are known for being a budget label, which was a little confusing to me why this came out at this time, because this is when Dottie West was like, her star was ascending. She was cranking out hits just one after another, and for some reason they put out this album. (laughs) And this was the, this is her fifth studio album, but this was amongst four records she put out in 1967. Oh, wow. So she was cranking them out at this point. Mm -hmm. Do you fellas have any, uh, you know, old Dottie from anywhere? I'm almost completely unfamiliar. I mean, like, I've seen the name here and there, but... This is not an artist that I really knew much about going in, but this record has been great. I've been playing this on repeat the last few days, and it really kind of is a quintessential late 60s country record. covers a lot of the big hits, like all the playing is excellent, all the singing is great. 
Like that, this could have been just marketed as almost like a country compilation. You know, it's it's kind of presented in that way with like the way the record is designed, the fonts and everything. But yeah, it's just quintessential country sound. Yeah, and I thought it would be good for the podcast, especially for people who aren't country heads to begin with. This feels like a great gateway album to me into yeah. the sound because, as you said, there's a bunch of country hits that people familiar with the genre are going to know almost every song on here. They're like basically standards. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're ones that had already been hits for other artists when this album was made. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're not reinventing the wheel with their versions of these songs. They're pretty faithful covers, but they're not phoned in at all. No, they're like great playing, great singing by Dottie. So, yeah, I wasn't really familiar with her prior to this other than by name myself. It's a great choice. I'm sure you can find, I feel like I've seen her name a lot too. And I just, for whatever reason, never checked yeah, out. She a, put out a lot of albums and a lot of them sold a lot of copies. And as we mentioned, people have kind of forgotten about her. She's not sought after in the bins, though. I feel like you can find a lot of like Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn, a lot of like great old country out in the bin still. Until we cover yeah. it. Until. <laughs> Until now. I think we've said a similar thing with pretty much every country record. Like even the ones that are rare, you can still find cheap relatively easily because it's like one of the most commonly neglected genres in your local record store. Oh, yeah. I've seen copies of Waylon Jennings' Honky Tonk Heroes for a couple bucks. Granted, that was like 10 years ago. I don't know if you'd be so lucky now. You never know. Keep digging in those bins. Yeah. At that time, I was a fool and thought that I would find another one. It was like, here, let me get this for someone else who needs to hear this album. <laughs> and I regret it now. Because I don't you have a kind-hearted fool. Yeah. I'm sure there's a country song about just that situation, yeah. too. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> well... Reckon I should give you some details about her. Do it. Dottie Marie Marsh West, born October 11th, 1932, and seemingly impossibly in the uh, community of Frog Pond, Tennessee. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, that feels like ad copy, but it's apparently true. Frog Pond, Tennessee. Yeah, she was... The eldest of 10 children, she had a extremely traumatic childhood. Aside from growing up in utter poverty, she survived years of physical and sexual abuse from her father, who she would end up reporting and testifying against in court. And he went to jail for 40 years, where he eventually passed away. Good riddance. Yeah. Wow. That's, well, this this got dark real quick. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, Dottie began singing at a young age and sang on the radio for the first time at the age of 12 and formed a band in high school that they called themselves the Cookskins. I don't know what that means. I'm not country enough, I guess. <laughs> You'll get there someday, bud. Yeah, someday I'll get there. 
She received a music scholarship after high school to attend Tennessee Technological University, where she completed her degree and met her first husband, Bill West, who you heard playing the slide guitar on that last track. Oh. Yeah, he plays slide guitar throughout this album. From there, she receives her first record contract in 1959 with Starday, who initially broke George Jones in his era, and Willie Nelson, Roger Miller, Big Bopper, all got their start on Starday Records. Wow. I, I'll confess, I don't even know if I've heard of that label. There's a great history of George Jones on the Cocaine and Rhinestones podcast, if you're intrigued by Starday or George Jones at all. At some point, I will listen to that series. I'm just afraid of how it will affect my my love for George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Yeah, that's valid. It's... <laughs> It's a messed up story. Yeah, I've heard enough, and I'm still able to cling on <laughs> to <laughs> to their work. But anyway, back to Dottie. Anyway. I thought you were going to say you've been avoiding that podcast because it's going to make you go full country. <laughs> oh, no. If, if it was going to do that, I would just dive right in. I'm ready. I want to <laughs> okay. understand the cook skins. <laughs> uh, Dottie says she learned songwriting from Roger Miller and became close friends with Patsy Cline during the same era. She was, you know, housing and feeding Willie Nelson, who was trying to make it big in this era. So she's rubbing elbows with, like, all the big names in country that are coming up and not quite big names yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She actually attended, she was good friends with Patsy Cline and attended Patsy's final concert where after the concert, she actually offered to drive Patsy home, but Patsy wanted to take a plane Mm. to get back to her family sooner, and that plane ended up crashing, Mm -hmm. and uh, Patsy Cline passed away at that point. Yeah. Wow. And that was on March 5th, 1963. That is true. So that was both a... Very traumatic year for Dottie for those reasons. And also the year her career started to take off at the same time. In 1963, she was signed to RCA Victor and auditioned and ended up recording with Chet Atkins. Which will come back again, I'm sure. Yeah, because he produced this album. (laughs) Co-produced, I should say. Yeah. Um, She also gets invited to the Grand Ole Opry at this point and starts performing on the Grand Ole Opry. So she is ascendant into country stardom at this point, I would say. Let's uh, let's cut to another song before before I keep reading facts at you. For the second song, I'd like to do Heartache by the Numbers, which was originally a big hit for Ray Price. Yep, the previously featured Ray Price. And th- this song I has been covered by a lot of people, too. Yeah, this has been a hit many times over. So, side two, track one, Heartaches by the Number. 
I really love her version of that song. I love that song in general, but uh, that was the one that really grabbed my attention when I checked this out. Yeah, that's... I think the reason it's been a hit so many times over is it's just a great song, so I felt like I had to feature it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I would like to formally state that I also think that's a great song and a great version of that song. Well, we're all on record. For loving heartaches by the number. Wow. <laughs> I can't even talk right today. Well, it's because you're just so struck by... I'm awestruck. Yeah, by Dottie. Well, let's jump back in her timeline then. At this point, Dottie is, as I mentioned before, just cranking out records produced by Chet Atkins, every one of them. And as also mentioned, 1967, where this album comes out, she also puts out three other albums in just this year alone. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that this was co-produced by Chet Atkins. The other producer, to my understanding, was a woman, the first one of the first women producers. You didn't go. You didn't look into this. No. Uh, you're talking about Ethel Gabriel. Yes. Who has produced over 2,500 albums, including 15 RIAA certified gold records for artists such as Elvis Presley, Perry Como, Henry Mancini, and others. Color me unresearched. Wow. <laughs> producer yeah. of memorable song bags. She was the first female record producer for a major label and the first female A&R producer in the industry. It just caught my attention, 1967. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that is a huge oversight on my part. (laughs) (laughs) Because 
one of the things that I feel is important and should not be lost to history is Dottie West was, she broke a lot of ground for female country artists, including being the first female country singer to receive a Grammy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Well, you mentioned that she had the four the four records uh, this year. Was this the first of the four records that she had that year? This was the second record in 1967, release-wise. It came out a month after her her first album of that year. So, uh huh. Just based on what we've seen with some of the other country artists that we've talked about on the podcast, like Tammy Wynette, like they were cranking out records by her too you know it's every few months it seems in some yeah. cases well i mean when you're working with the nashville a team and you can just hand your band like any charts and they'll pretty much have it flawless in a few minutes you could crank albums out <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah and you have a voice like dotties yeah exactly <laughs> the winning combination yeah i feel like this might be a good time to mention who's on this record so, as mentioned, it's Nashville A-Team. On guitars, you got Harold Brady, Ray Eddington, and Grady Martin. All cream-of-the-crop guitar players in this era. Yeah, ones you'll see on all kinds of Nashville records. Yeah. Yeah, Buddy Harmon on drums, who you'll see all over. Yeah, and he's on a lot of the major country songs like Patsy Cline and even like Elvis Presley. And then in 1996, Ween. Oh, <laughs> I did not know he did Ween. Yep. He was on their country album. Okay. But yeah, Roy Husky on bass, Tommy Jackson on the fiddle, Pig Robbins, who we've mentioned a few times. Mm-hmm. He just piano. passed away recently. Oh, the, the piano player. Yeah. Did not know that as well. Hargus Pig Robbins. Also on the Ween album, the aforementioned Ween album. Wow. How did Ween get good music people on their albums? They Yeah. they, they, they booked... not look into what Ween is? <laughs> they wrote a bunch of country songs and, and booked sessions in Nashville. And the guys, the session players thought they were hilarious. <laughs> wow. And finally, her husband at this point, Bill West on the steel guitar. So you can look up those names. I don't want to read the endless list of people those <laughs> those people are all on. Yeah, it would just be the entirety of country music and yeah. beyond. <laughs> and beyond, all the way to Ween. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> so Daddy had a string of hits before this album, as I mentioned. She had a long string of hits after this album. Shortly after this album, she kind of begins her being identified as a duet singer. She, I think she started doing some duets with Don Gibson, who's a big country name as well. And then in 1973, she records a song for Coca-Cola called Country Sunshine that becomes a huge like worldwide smash hit. And she forever gets the name Country Sunshine. From then on. From then on, it's inescapable. And it's, I don't know, have you, did you guys listen to that song at all? No, I saw that that was a big component of 
her bio, but I didn't check it out. Yeah, it feels like a caricature of country music, but done by like real country musicians. It was very uh it had like an uncanny valley effect, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that happens often in country music though. It also just makes me think of a movie I recently rewatched, Nashville. Mm. Which kind of showcased that element of country music in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's the whole, I don't know. The more I learn about country and kind of see this pattern of uh, there's this obsession with authenticity and basically the generation before always calling the generation after like a bunch of sellouts and they're just, you know, going pop. But that's been happening for like a hundred years now. (laughs) (laughs) like actually a hundred years and the reality is country music is pop music and it pretty much always has been (laughs) that's something that's really easy to lose sight of when going into music history like this you look at these records that are decades old you know and think oh well these are classics and they must have been loved and respected from the moment they came out but most of the music that we've talked about on this show probably was hated by a significant portion of the population when it came out, especially the older generations. Very true. And the older generations really didn't like what Dottie did next. (laughs) (laughs) So after her country sunshine mega hit in the mid seventies, she kind of did like a full image overhaul. If you look like on, even on the front of this record, she's like, traditional country, long skirt, kind of conservative looking. And in the mid-70s, she kind of throws that out the window and starts wearing like sparkly, skin-tight spandex with just like real flashy outfits and cowboy boots and very over-the-top. And she changes the sound of her music in conjunction that it becomes sort of like adult contemporary like listening to it a lot of it almost doesn't even retain any element of country it's like pop music with a little twang to it perhaps so it's like uh taylor swift became <laughs> sure i mean she probably went further away from country into full popdom but that's she started as a country singer i forgot about that yeah. i forgot she used to do country <laughs> yeah it's easy to forget yeah so obviously she got a lot of backlash at this point i thought it was pretty i mean i always think it's awesome when like someone famous just fully like turns face on whatever made them famous and goes a totally different direction Mm -hmm. and i think this is doubly cool because she makes herself like a total sex symbol and she's like in her 40s at this point so it's like very against kind of social conventions i would say yeah that's kind of awesome i like this subversive yeah it's it's like subversive but also very unsubversive yeah <laughs> by going into like yeah adult contemporary yeah. pop music yeah so unexpected and against the grain yeah very interesting. So she continues cranking out hits. She's doing a lot of duets through the 80s. She did some really big ones with Kenny Rogers. Mm-hmm. Those are some of her best known 
Yeah. Collaborations work. Yeah. She also did some acting in the 80s and come the close of the 80s. I, I should just say I saw the movie she was in, The Aurora Encounter. Oh. As a kid. Do go on. It, the little bit of it that I remember, it's like E.T. in the Old West, like late 1800s. And I remember it being very low budget and disturbing. I saw it at like a friend's house with their family, you know, family movie night watching this thing. And it just creeped me out. (laughs) And Dottie's in that movie as a main character. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize the titles of anything in there that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bizarre movie. You, you can watch it on YouTube. I found out today and I I won't say anymore. I don't want to spoil it for all of you who are going to go watch the Aurora encounter from 1986. All right. Go see the Aurora Encounter. Hide the kids. Don't make them go through that. If you thought, if some, I know like people, some people, not to out you, Sean, but some people find E.T. disturbing enough and unsettling enough. And I've still never seen the end of E.T. Yeah. I quit halfway through as a child and never returned. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't watch the Aurora Encounter, Sean. All right. (laughs) I will steer clear. I'll stick with the country music. Oh, let's let's play another song before I wrap it up here, actually. All right, what do we got? I want to do another song Ray Price made huge, Crazy Arms, originally written by Ralph Mooney. And this is Side B, track four. There's a storm brewing in this heart of Bye. 
that's another one of those songs that's it's just a country standard. It's such a great song. Also made famous by Ray Price, but also made famous a handful of times. Great song. Were you guys ready for the dark ending? <laughs> I knew it was coming. Lay it on me. Yeah. Dark beginnings, dark endings. She was a big star in the middle, though. So in the late 80s, she started running into financial troubles. She's getting sued by her managers. The IRS is coming after her. And she is in pretty bad situation there. She's still creating music and still performing. And uh, in 1991, August 30th, she was scheduled to play the Grand Ole Opry, which she had been playing for nearly 30 years at this point. Super impressive. But her vehicle broke down. A neighbor of hers saw her broke down and picked her up tried to rush her to the Grand Ole Opry so she wouldn't miss the show and ended up speeding on an off-ramp, shooting over the off-ramp and hitting a guardrail. At the time, Dottie West thought she was fine. She declined going to the hospital, you know, told the medics to check out the guy driving at the time. She just went home, thought she was good. Uh, A few days later, ended up in the hospital and it had turned out she had damaged her spleen and her liver and what had been bleeding internally for days at that point. Wow. Yeah, they they attempted surgery a few times, and she ended up passing away during surgery on September 4th. 1991? Yeah, 1991. She left behind four children, including Shelley West, who is also a country singer, and two more husbands, but I didn't get into any of that. Well, Sean, do you have some recommended albums for anyone who's liking this Dottie West? I do. So country music is still something that I'm a fan of, but I would not say that I'm well-versed in it. So I had to do a little digging to find some similar albums from this time period, but I got a few that I can stand behind. Uh, One artist that I definitely love and would like to do on the show at some point is Brenda Lee. And she has an album from 1966 called Coming On Strong. That's a really good pop country crossover that I highly recommend. Another artist is Gene Shepard who had a record in 1967 called Heart, We Did All We Could Do. And then finally, Kitty Wells' Showcase from 1968, if you're into that mid to late 60s country female sound. Yeah, she has a great voice too, Kitty Wells. Agreed. Well, and everyone's heard Brenda Lee because she does the popular version of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, right? Oh, okay. True. True, that is the thing most people know Brenda Lee from, but uh, she also has tons of records that are pretty much all cheap and pretty much all good from what I've heard. Brilliant musician. One that I'll add is a 1974 record from a singer named Patsy Sled, and the album's called 
Chip Chip. I may have brought her up on the Tammy Wynette Another Lonely Song episode because she did the song Stay at Home Woman. That's the opening song on that album, which was also on that Tammy Wynette album. But that's a fantastic album that is pretty overlooked. I don't know how common it is, but yeah, check it out. Patsy Sled Chip Chip. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. It's good stuff. I really like it. I, I, I'm i a big Tammy Wynette fan, and I might like her version of Stay at Home Woman, the, the Patsy Sled's version, slightly more. Hmm. So worth checking out. Any other recommended albums along these lines? I mean, obviously there's Patsy Klein out there. Mm-hmm. Also, Skeeter Davis. That's a good mm. one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Would be an apt comparison, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, Skeeter Davis is fantastic. Definitely. Most people know her for, what's her big hit? Uh, don't they know it's the end of the world? Her version of that. I don't yes. even know that song. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I hope you guys are just peachy keen that i brought you a country album yeah it's high time we featured another country album there's just no matter how much i think i know about country there's always another major artist that i virtually ignored and that was the case with dotty west thank you jeremy this is great and seems there's a lot of her work to check out yeah yeah she's got a lot to check out as you mentioned, country de- music goes so deep. I like think I know a decent amount about country, and just so easily that house of cards gets blown over, and, <laughs> and I get exposed. Well, we'll get there slowly but surely through doing this podcast. We'll slowly but surely cover the entirety of country music over the course of the next fifty years. Yep. Oh, we're going a hundred years. I'm assuming medical advances will keep us going much, much further down the line. (laughs) We'll just be heads in jars like in Futurama at the end, recording this (laughs) podcast forever. (laughs) Yeah, I think they featured us as one of those, those, as three of those heads in jars on Futurama. We're that much of a, you know, a cultural touchstone now. That's the the new season that's coming out. (laughs) You can look forward to that. All right. Well, any last thoughts before we wrap up another episode of I'd Buy That for a Dollar? No. Have we done the sound of country music justice? And I don't mean the album. I mean the sound of country music. Probably not. As far as I know, the sound of country music and this album are one and the same. So I I think we've done it. Okay. This has been I'd Buy That for a Dollar. I'm co-host Jeremy. I'm co-host Sean. And I am co-host Peter. What are we leaving on? Oh, good point. We'll leave on, this might be my favorite one. This is the one that really jumped out to me. Someone Before Me. And this was written by Bobby Hicks and originally recorded and made a hit by Loretta Lynn. Nice. Excellent. On that note, farewell. The end. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Someone before me, 
still turns you inside out when we're together she's all you talk about you're always wanting me to do the things she used to do some Yeah.